0: Welcome to So Dead, a podcast that's got the right stuff, baby. See what I did there. You got the right stuff,
1: baby. I am going to New Kids on the Block.
0: You're going to New Kids on the Block. Uh-huh. I'm so Danny we-
1: Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. I'm oh, and going I'm Jen to New Carpenter. Kids.
0: Yeah, we're. we're- g- I'm going to New Kids on the Block. I'm not. The- I have many, many times. I went when I was I young to. several times, mm-hmm. and I've gone as a grown-ass woman several times. Me as too. Well.
1: The- one of the ones I went to some. I don't want to say old lady, because she was probably my age, but with her big old tits threw her bra up on no. stage, and it was like beige.
0: Oh, it was <laughs> mom bra. It was like Spanx. Granny panties. I'm like, they oh,
1: never no. thought that those thongs were going to turn into...
0: Granny panties. ...monster
1: bras.
0: Oh, my God. It
1: was a totally different level. That's hilarious. It was, but it was worth it.
0: The last one I went to had TLC and Nellie. I went to that one. I was Did there. Did you? Mm-hmm. The first one I went to as a grown-ass woman, um, a woman gave birth literally at the concert. Like, they were wheeling her out with her baby wrapped in a New Kids on the Block t-shirt. Do you think she
1: named him Joey? I think she named him Jordan. Oh,
0: Jordan. Do you think it had a rat tail in the back? Definitely getting his ear pierced when he turns one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Do you think it had a hat with a hole in the top and the curls popped out of it? (laughs) I okay, so we just moved, yeah, which we'll talk about later. But um, I found a new kids on the block puzzle
0: while you were packing,
1: uh huh. I and I put it on my shelf, like I have it on display. So yeah. I totally plan to put it together yeah, with my child for sure. We're weird.
0: All, All right. Anyway. Well.
1: So yeah, happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, Deadheads. (laughs) So it's been a while since we've had a guest on the show, so today
0: we've got a good one. Yes. Today we're going to be talking to local true crime author Rod Sadler, who just finished his third book about true crime in mid-Michigan.
1: But before we talk to Rod about his new book, we want to tell you about the cases that inspired his first two books, To Hell I Must Go and A Slayer Waits.
0: So I'm going to talk about Rod's first book, To Hell, I Must Go, which was released in 2015 and is available on Amazon. Um, You can also find information on Rod's website, which is rodsadler.com. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, This is probably one of my very favorite local true crime stories and definitely my favorite local ghost story. Um, To Hell, I Must Go is the true story of the 1897 murder of Mariah Haney in Williamston, Michigan, which is a small town about 20 miles south of Lansing. Alfred Haney was born on Christmas Day, 1860, to John and Mariah Haney. His father was a farmer and a Civil War veteran. He grew up poor, worked on the farm, and as an adult, he relied on odd jobs and the kindness of others to get by. On July 28, 1894, at the age of 33, he married Martha Pierce, a young... That's old
1: for back then.
0: That is old for back then. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so he (laughs) married Martha Pierce, who was a young divorcee and mother, who was seven years his junior. That's still a little old for her. She was, Mm -hmm. what, 26? Yeah, but she was a divorcee, so she She had had already been married once. But you didn't get divorced then. She did. She did, but she, sure she did. did a lot of things you weren't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. While their union was not a long one, it resulted in one of the most gruesome murders in Ingham County history. Martha Pierce was born on April thirteenth, 1867, to James and Susan Pierce and was one of five children. Many years later, Martha's brother would tell reporters that her upbringing was wrought with unspeakable horror. So it's safe to say that she didn't have a happy childhood, but what exactly that means... Don't really know. Um, hmm. When she was 16, she married John Woodard. That's that's a little more on point yep, in the 1800s. 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And together they had three children. John quickly decided that the family life was not for him, and he took off. Uh, Martha wasn't really fit to be a mother at all, let alone a single mother. She had untreated epilepsy and suffered from a variety of mental ailments. As a result, two of her children were taken from her and given up for adoption. That's sad. Her youngest child, a boy, suffered a fate a bit more mysterious. One day, Martha announced that she was taking the boy, about a year and a half old at the time, on the train to Lansing. A few months later, she turned back up in Williamston child-free and refused to tell anybody where the baby was.
1: So, backing up real quick? Mm Mm-hmm. There was a train from Williamston to Lansing?
0: Mm-hmm. Those train tracks out in Williamston at the site of the Haney home, are, those have been there forever. But yeah, there was a train stop right there, right near where their house was. Huh. Anyway, go yep. on. Well, yeah, okay. she probably killed the kid. Well, um, many people, including members of her own family, actually did believe that she had done something awful to the baby. Um, so, married at 16, three kids by, what, probably 20, um, loses the husband, loses the kids, and by 1894, just 10 years after her first marriage, she's married again, this time to Alfie Haney. Alfie? Alfie. Alfred. Alfie. I like by Alfie. Alfie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Martha was a delicate, dark-haired beauty with wild brown eyes, said to be as wide as saucers who weighed maybe 90 pounds, soaking wet. So she was just this little dark waif of a woman with big brown eyes. But gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, Alfie and Martha moved into a small clapboard shack near downtown Williamston. They brought Alfie's ailing 70-year-old mother, a widow by this point, to live with them. 70 was old back then. 70 was, yeah. Um, They all old. They were. They were an old household. They were too grown for the drama that then ensued. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. This did not set well with Martha bringing Alfie's mother into the home. Which, I mean, who among us honestly wants to live with their mother-in-law?
1: Listen, my mother-in-law listens to the podcast. Nancy, I'd love it if you lived with us.
0: Hi, Nancy. <laughs> I don't think Nancy would
1: love to I don't to think live she'd love you. to live
0: with me though, and that's no. all right. Yeah, we all have different lives. We all have our own lives when we're grown. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to go backwards and live together. That's right. but I
1: have lived with my parents. okay while I was married. so okay. Dave has
0: Dave has lived with his lived
1: in-laws. with his in-laws. How was that, Dave? He is pleading the fifth. <laughs> my parents are incredible people who also listen to the podcast.
0: Hi Danny's parents.
1: But um, I think they would agree that we probably shouldn't live together. Right,
0: right. It's just a bad idea yeah, whenever we can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Right. Go on. Um, so, Mariah, uh, Martha's mother-in-law, was said to be a wicked old woman who was cruel to Martha, um, who she thought was beneath her son. She a bitch. Uh, she was beneath Alfie in bed every night. <laughs> That's
1: terrible. dirty. I'm not I, I don't usually expect those kind of jokes from you. That was a tame I'm
0: kind of impressed. <laughs> Everyone Dirty Jen. Dirty Jen. <laughs> it's a new podcast. <laughs> the two women were known for their vicious fights, and Martha often felt like the odd man out. She always felt like Alfie and his mom were ganging up on her. This led to a lot of resentment and a lot of hostility in the Haney home. And under this duress, Martha's health and mental health issues amplified. Her seizures became more frequent. She suffered from delusions. She regularly held conversations with her mother, which would be normal, except that her mom had been dead for 10 years.
1: Uh, So
0: it got to the point where everyone around town knew Martha was off a rocker. And it all came to a head in April of 1897. Worried about his wife, who was deteriorating by the day, Elfie sought out the town doctor one day and scheduled Martha an appointment. When he arrived home from work that night, he told Martha that he'd made her an appointment to visit the doctor the following morning. Martha was livid. Um, Not only was she insulted by the implication that something was wrong with her, but she knew they couldn't afford to miss out on the day's wages they would lose if Elfie took off work to take her to the doctor.
1: Hmm.
0: She and Elfie got into a huge fight that night, but he stood his ground, and so she slept on the living room floor that night in protest. No thanks. Yeah. It's April, so it's probably still chilly, Mm -hmm. especially at night. You live in a clapboard shack by the railroad tracks, and that's a song. Clapboard shack by the railroad tracks.
1: Is it really a song, or are you making that up? We should
0: make it one. Okay. Or like one of those little hand clap I feel like I
1: need a banjo.
0: Right. So the following morning, (laughs) Alfie found Martha in the kitchen, making breakfast and in a better mood than he'd seen her in in weeks. She smiled at him, told him that she was feeling much better, and convinced him that the doctor's appointment could wait, at least until the weekend, so that Alfie wouldn't have to miss work to take her. Alfie caved, agreed to reschedule the appointment, and grabbed an apple off the counter and headed to work. When he returned for lunch that afternoon, he was greeted by a wide-open front door a fire burning in the living room, and a very special lunch that Martha had prepared for him. See, while he was gone, Martha and Mariah got into one of their killer fights. Killer. But this this wasn't just any old argument. Fearing for her safety, Mariah locked Martha out of the house. Martha became so enraged that she grabbed an axe from the backyard, chopped down the front door, and then took the axe to her mother-in-law, She attacked the old woman so viciously that she actually severed her head from her body. Then she took her head and put it on a platter at Elfie's place setting at the table with a knife and a fork on either side. And then she set the headless corpse on fire in the living room.
1: (laughs) This, this is not funny. This it's, is not funny. It's,
0: could you even... Bitches be crazy, man. So unimaginable. Like, like don't piss Martha off. No. Um, and so this is the horror that Elfie came home to when he returned for lunch that day. He ran from the house screaming and went to find the sheriff's deputy. When the sheriff arrived at the house, he found Martha in the backyard. This is important. Remember this part. okay? He found Martha in the backyard, barefoot and filthy, frantically digging with her bare hands when the deputy asked her what had happened she smiled and told him i killed my mother-in-law my mother told me i had to kill her before she killed me martha haney was promptly arrested found unfit to stand trial you think yeah she was mentally ill right and she was sentenced to the ionia asylum for the criminally insane everybody Um, went there huh yes uh, upon her intake evaluation, she was diagnosed with consumption, and she died a year later at the age of 34 and was buried at the institution. What's consumption? Tuberculosis. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was very unhealthy, and she died at the institution. Now, her mother, the, the family was from the Lansing and Williamston area, but her mother was also buried in Ionia,
1: mm. so there's a
0: working theory that her mother was also mentally ill and was institutionalized and that she died there as well. interesting um so we go to the site of the Haney home on our haunted Lansing tour. Mm-hmm. And it has actually become one of my very favorite stops, even though the house is not there anymore. It's just an empty field. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing cool but to There's take a, a house of. right next to it, yeah? There's a building, yeah. There's an old factory right next to it, but the house itself is gone. Um, but it's like by a neighborhood, right? It's right by the railroad tracks. Yeah. There are some city buildings. It's right near the water tower. And there are some houses nearby, like you can see other like houses. Old Victorian houses? Nearby. I think I've been in one of them. But not like right there, right there. Okay. Um, But the reason that it's one of my favorite stops is because Martha Haney is one crazy, attention-loving entity. Um, Now, I'm skeptical about some Mm -hmm. spirits. I am not skeptical about Martha in the least. I have so many stories about insane things that have happened out at the site of the Haney home, Um, but I'm just going to tell you about one of them and it actually just recently came to full fruition actually when um rod sadler was on a tour with us recently Mm -hmm. um and it is my favorite so there is a piece of equipment called an ovalis that paranormal investigators use and it's basically supposed to be a speak and spell for ghosts where Mm -hmm. spirits can use the energy their energy to choose words out of this large dictionary and the device and spit them back out at you Mm -hmm. um there is now an app <laughs> that mm-hmm. you can get on your cell phone. There are several. The one we use is called Ghost Hunting Tools, um, and it I works like an obelisk. I probably had you download it on a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works like an obelisk, so I have people turn that on when we're out at the site of the home. Lots of things happen. Um, that's just important as background noise. Um, I have everyone turn on the app with the obelisk um, while we're out kind of exploring the um, Because we've gotten some really, really good results, especially at the site of the Haney home. Mm -hmm. So we're out there one night uh, on a tour, and our special guest that night was the Motor City medium. Her name is Rebecca Smuck. She's a good friend and a a great, great uh, psychic medium. Mm -hmm. And we get there, and she said that as soon as we got off the bus, she felt very drawn to this one area. And so she went back there kind of on her own, and she called me over after a few minutes, and she said, "Um, I'm getting this sense from Martha. She wanted to show me something. She was literally pulling on me and saying, come here, come here, I want to show you, I want to show you. Um, And Martha told her that her and Alfie had had a baby together, um, which... I cannot remember if this is actually in the book towards the end or if it's just something that Rod said at one Mm -hmm. point, but I do remember Rod Sadler saying that he found evidence that they might have had a child together Mm -hmm. that was in the home at the time of the murder, but he couldn't prove it, and so he just kind of left it out. But Mm -hmm. it's a theory, is that there was a child. Um, So Martha's spirit told our psychic that um, her and Alfie had a baby, But the baby ruined her figure and kept her up at night, so she drowned it in the bathtub and buried it in the backyard. And at first, yeah, so again, I and I have no doubts about um, Rebecca's abilities. Sure. She's great. Mm -hmm. And you met her. You met her when we went to the ParaFest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm still very skeptical. Right. So I was just kind of like, okay, well, that's new. I've never heard that before. Um, Thanks for sharing type of thing, you know. And then these two women from the group who had not heard our conversation at all, they came walking over from across the field. And they were like, my app just keeps saying digging. And the other one said, my app just says my baby. So as we were talking about how Martha told her that she had buried her baby, oh, I missed a part. I'm so sorry. So not only had she buried the baby in the backyard, but that's what she was doing in the backyard when the police came. (gasps) She was 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 trying to dig up the baby because she knew they were going to take her away and she wanted to take the baby with her. And so then these two women come over and their oviluses say, one says digging and one says my baby. Stop it. And so I was like, oh my, okay. Has so, anybody
1: ever dug the ground?
0: Yes. Um, it Actually, they did some construction out there the first year we were doing tours, and they dug up the whole site. Um,
2: they, no nothing ever
0: made it into the papers. Okay. Um, I have a piece of foundation from the house from when they were digging it up. Really? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it has all been upturned, but I don't know. I don't know.
1: Good. I don't so, know if I could have that. Like, a-
0: I know. I keep it with my copy of the book, um, in my little creepy display that I have. So (laughs) cut to our most recent tour, Mm -hmm. um, that we took Rod on. This was back in April. Um, it was a tour actually designated specifically to Martha's story. It was called Mad Martha's Massacre. Yeah, yeah. I missed that one. We went axe throwing. We went to the site of the murder. We had Rod with us. He signed books. It was great. Um, he was there, and Kat Ryan was there, who's a good mm-hmm. friend and a psychic medium, and she has a very personal connection to Martha, which is a whole story in and of itself. Um And I was telling them about this experience with Rebecca mm-hmm. um, and her saying the thing about, you know, the baby and the weird things that popped up on the obelisk. And Kat said, Um, you know, that's really strange because I... Um, when we went there the first time, do you remember? I was just drawn to this one spot, and I just felt very stuck in this one place, and I didn't know why, and I wasn't sure the reason. Ew. She said, "Well, um, you know, I I was doing a I can't remember." If she said she was doing a cleansing of a home, but she was doing something at a home where there was some activity, some mm-hmm. some bad energy going on. And as she was doing the walkthrough of the house, it was a like an in-home daycare. She got stuck in this spot in the living room, and she was just kind of frozen there. And she said, what happened here? Something happened here. I'm just kind of, you know, frozen in place, essentially. Um, And the woman said that she had had one of the daycare babies actually um, passed away from SIDS in its sleep, and she had moved it to the living room floor. Um, She said, so Uh. I was stuck in place where a baby had died. And then here at the site of the Haney home, mm-hmm. I was stuck in a place. And now you're telling me that there's a baby buried here. Um, And so it was really strange. And, you know, is Rod weird. was just like, that's a whole like full circle, strange mm-hmm. thing happening. Right. Um, So then two weeks later, we had another tour. And we went out to the same spot. And I tell everyone as we're getting off the bus, turn on your app, turn on the Ovalis, see what you get. I have not told them this story yet. I have not said anything. I haven't even told the story about Martha's murdering her mother-in-law yet. I haven't told them what happened. And um, this woman gets off the bus and she turns her app towards me and it said, cold baby. Ah. And she said, does this story involve a cold baby at all? And then several other people had my baby pop up and oh someone gosh. else had drowning pop up. That's and crazy. again, I haven't even told them yet the story. So, I mean, as close as we can confirm a rumor from the 1800s right, right. to me, I mean, it was just crazy. It's one of the craziest things It makes things for a good happened. story, if anything. It's a good story either way, mm-hmm. um, but we've had two separate psychics, one that... Um, first was told by Martha the story about the baby, another one that has confirmed it, um, and then several people from three different tours of people getting results on their phone before we've even talked about the baby, about digging, my baby, cold baby, drowning. That's bananas. Isn't that crazy? And that's why Martha's my favorite ghost. She's a good one. She's crazy. She is crazy. So crazy it's, story, crazy it's why ghost. It's so
1: important that
0: we talk about mental health too. A hundred percent. Because you mean, don't want
1: to be Mad Martha.
0: You don't want to be Mad <laughs> Martha. She's cool to be <laughs> friends with now in the afterlife, but is she? back in the she is. Yeah, she's entertaining for sure. My favorite. Mm-hmm. So book one, crazy piece of local history, um, crazy ghost. What can you tell me about book two?
1: So book two, A Slayer Waits, was released June 24th in 2017. Um, also written by Rod Sadler. Um, this you don't book, say during I, I don't our Rod say. Sadler episode. I know, right? That so the book is by Rod Sadler. It's by him. Can you imagine I if we would have covered a different story written by somebody else? <laughs> that
0: that would have been, been really funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have been funny. Um, that wouldn't have made us very credible, though. So, No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this book chronicles the murders of husband and wife Howard and Myra Herrick. Okay. Um, so, it's September 3rd, 1955, and Neely Buchanan is serving as a trustee one to 15 years in the Jackson prison for breaking and entering.
0: Haven't we talked about trustees before? Yeah, they're really
1: not trustworthy.
0: Not trustee at all? No. Okay.
1: So Buchanan has had many brushes with the law. He went away for a time to juvie for assaulting his own father. He spent some time at the boys' vocational school in Lansing that we recently talked about. Oh, Uh-huh.
0: Look at that.
1: Yeah. So as a trustee, he was the driver for a dump truck for the prison. And on this day in September, he literally just drove away.
0: He just drove away. Just drove away. He said, hey, he'd had enough. That's what happens when you trust those prisoners. Right. And give them keys to cars. <laughs> to big fucking dump trucks. I don't know how
1: big it would have been back then, <laughs> but all I picture is like that big ass Granger truck driving down the road.
0: I don't think and making like probably a full on dump truck, but that's still weird. Right? Yeah.
1: Anyway. So he drives from Jackson to
0: Stockbridge. Which Stockbridge? Is not too far from Williamston at no.
1: all. No? No. I'm not familiar with Stockbridge that
0: much. Yeah, I should it's not be, too far not. from Williamston and Dan... It, the but it's a ways from
1: Jackson.
0: It's between. It's probably like midpoint between Jackson and Lansing. Okay. Which means nothing to our viewers. Viewers? Nope. Hi, guys. Are you viewing us okay? You watching
1: me? <laughs> you keeping <laughs> times? <laughs> means Get nothing. out of my house.
0: <laughs> big brother. Um... Our listeners, our listeners that are not local, but basically Stockbridge is about a half hour ish south of okay. Lansing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So, okay, so he drives his Stockbridge, and he abandons the truck in the school football field. He then walks four miles.
0: Wait, in like- the school football. Yeah. How conspicuous is that? Why wouldn't you just leave park it parked on the I side of think. the
1: road? That's all I could Here's think Here's a big too. empty
0: field. Let me park this truck in the middle of it. It blends right in.
1: <laughs> I know, that's all I could think too. Like weird. Nobody's gonna notice that. And if it was like when we went to school, like you didn't even walk on that football field. No. You would have been in trouble.
0: Exactly.
1: Anyway, so then instead of driving, he walks 4 miles. So I'm wondering if like the truck broke down or something. What was like he doing? maybe he was doing donuts in the football field. I don't know.
0: <laughs> he was trying to cut across it and I was like, "Oh shit, this is a field. Stuck, this is a right? football
1: field." <laughs> he got hit with the laces out, Dan. Um <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so he walks 4 miles. So he finds a barn and it's on the corner of M52 and M36.
0: Do you know where so- that is? Nope,
1: it's in Stockbridge.
0: Okay, it's just in Stockbridge. Yep. I'm quite sure that M52... I've seen
1: pictures of it. Yeah,
0: I'm quite sure that M52 is the road that a friend and I drove up and down for hours because they were shooting the new Transformers movie out yes. there. Yes. And they had Bumblebee out there uh-huh. and Optimus but you Prime. But couldn't, you couldn't see anything, yes, could Yes, people you? did. See, we didn't. Okay. But yes, people did. People were seeing them all day long. I just wanted to find... Was it Mark Wahlberg or Josh Duhamel? I don't know. I didn't see that one. Mark Wahlberg. They are both in them. One of them.
1: I mean, we did reference New Kids on the Block, which oh, yeah. he has bring a connection to. Oh, yeah, bring it back to, the Wahlbergs. to.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'll say Mark Wahlberg is who we were looking for. Yeah. Anyway,
1: go anyway, on. So, okay, so he hides in this barn. Um, while he's in the barn, the homeowner, Howard Herrick, he returns home from work. He parks his car in the barn, as one as does. As one does. Because they probably have didn't a have a garage back then. Yeah. Um, who knows what comes over Neely Buchanan, but he finds a hammer and catches Mr. Herrick off guard and strikes him with it in the head.
0: So I would think he must have caught him because if he's hiding in the barn and he parks his car in the barn. He must have seen him. He must have seen him because Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you just wait for him to go in the house? Right. And take off. Yeah. Right. So he hits him a couple times
1: and kills him instantly. Um, soon after this, his wife, Myra, enters the barn to greet her husband, but then soon realizes he's
0: been killed. More Um, likely, she probably was coming out there, what the hell are you doing? I've got dinner ready. Right, like, come on. Move it along.
1: Right. How upsetting. Um, Yeah. And so she walks into the scene of the murder, and then she's hit with a hammer. (gasps) Yeah. But being the she-tiger that she was, she fought back.
0: Good for her.
1: And she fought back hard. Good. She screams. She fights. Um, She's repeatedly hit with this hammer. Mm. She's finally knocked unconscious, but she's not killed instantly. She dies about 10 hours later after succumbing to her injuries. Oh, my God. I know. So Buchanan searches Mr. Herrick and steals his wallet with his Social Security card in it, a checkbook, and $45 in cash. Which back then, 45 bucks was probably...
0: Worth killing two people over? Yeah, I Come guess. on, buddy.
1: So he drags both bodies, the wife and then the husband, to the corner of the barn and covers them with bales of hay. Remember, she's not dead yet. Oh, my God. So he probably really suffocated her, too. Yeah. I mean, because you know how big those fucking bales of hay yes. are. Yes.
0: Ugh, what a way to go. I know. So oh. shitty.
1: He tries to start the car... But then realizes he has no keys. And he's probably not going to go search him again. The hay
0: bales, yeah. (laughs) So he tries to like hotwire it. Is that what it's called?
1: Yes. Hotwire. It
0: it is called hotwire? Yeah. You're just thinking of hotwire.com and thinking that you're saying the Uh, wrong thing.
1: That or I'm thinking Hot Wheels something.
0: Hotwire is correct.
1: (laughs) So... He fails at it. He can't okay. hotwire it, but he leaves the wires a fucking mess so the cops can see somebody trying what to hotwire it. What he was trying it. to do, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So he goes to their farmhouse. He eats a hard boiled egg and a tomato.
0: What? Gross. So
1: fucking gross, right? It is really but back gross. then, I mean,
0: There's so maybe she didn't have like dinner no. ready. Yeah, she must not have had dinner ready because he would have chowed down. <laughs> right.
1: No egg and tomato. Um, so he starts looking for things of value. Doesn't find much, but he does change his clothes. He leaves his prison outfit there and he gets into some of Howard's clothes. Okay. Um, he heads out the door and he stands by the side of the road trying to hitch a ride to the nearest bus station. Oh my gosh. So across the street from this house is a little store. Yes. And it is owned by Harry Doesberg. I don't Do's know if I'm Berg? saying that right. Doesberg? Doesberg. Something. He sees him. He's, like, pumping gas for a customer, Mm -hmm. and he sees him. He's like,
0: this guy's out of place. Let's be real. Neely Buchanan is black. Yes. And we're talking about Stockbridge. Right. So this is why he's out of place.
1: And Harry says, there are two black men in town. Both of them are hired men. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. So he sticks out like a sore thumb, Yeah, unfortunately, but he does, and... So he's picked up for hitchhiking. Somebody picks him up. Okay. Um, he gets a ride to Millville. Have you ever heard of Millville? I've never heard of Millville, I've but never we'll heard f- of will figure out
0: where it is. Hi, Millville. Right. Hope you listen. Right? <laughs> um, and then from there,
1: he hitches a ride to Mason. Which Mason is much closer to home. Yes. So from Mason, he sees cab drivers. He gets in one of the cabs. And he takes the cab to Lansing's bus station.
0: No, we. Why did they all? We don't want you. <laughs> I'm.
1: <laughs> right.
0: We don't want you.
1: And he knew we didn't want him.
0: They just say, so, "Why did they all come here after they've this is killed the hub.
1: somebody?" Because you can get to places. from I here. guess we
0: got an airport. We got a bus station. Nonsense! Stop yeah, coming here. I we know. have enough crime.
1: I know. Um, so he tries to buy a ticket to Chicago. Okay. That bus doesn't leave till way later. Okay. So he's like, eh, I guess New York will do. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll blend in there. New
0: York, whatever. Yeah, they're busy.
1: So he gets his ticket to New York. Now back in Stockbridge, silence comes from the Herrick farm for two days. Mm. Um, their son visits the farm and finds their lifeless oh, bodies. that's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, the community's heartbroken and shocked. Things like this just do not happen in Stockbridge. Right. It's a small town now. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was probably like population 10. ten. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I like that we both picked 10. 10, right?
1: Because <laughs> um, you had to pick that one family with seven kids. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the Herricks. So, yeah. And they surely did not happen. This type of thing didn't happen in that town, and it didn't happen to the Herricks or people like them. Um but police knew right away who the killer was. He'd escaped from prison.
0: Right. You're, you're, um, this reminds me of um, once when you and I went to high school together. Um, once? That once? once um, back in the few months that we went to high school together. I, one morning, was planning to skip school. Mom, mute this. I was planning to skip (laughs) school, and um, I was waiting for my ride to come pick me up, and a security guard was doing a sweep looking for delinquents exactly like me. It was literally before school even started, like you were supposed to be Mm -hmm. walking through the door of your first hour. And so he took me to in-school suspension. Oh, my God. Rather than acknowledge my situation and readjust my plan. I was hell-bent on leaving the school that day. Did you run? Yes, but not immediately. (laughs) I went to in-school suspension. I came up with a reason for him to let me go, which was unheard of. You weren't allowed to leave. You, You could pee your pants. They did not care. Right. I was convincing enough that I got him to let me go. Um, I can't even remember what my excuse was. And I hit that door and I could hear another security guard coming down the hall and his keys jingling. And I just fucking the janitor. booked it. Whoever. I booked it. I ran Thank outside God. the school. And then the side of the school I was on was near the baseball field where all the windows are. Yep. So I had to like crouch down. That was like
1: band. The band room. Yeah.
0: I had to like crouch down and like army crawl so they wouldn't see me. <laughs> And I made it back to my friend that was waiting oh for me to leave. Were you like
1: worried you were going to get in trouble when you came back,
0: or did no, you not? Give I did not care. Okay. I did not care. I don't know why I didn't care, but I did not care. And so, of course, my mom already knew I was missing from <laughs> school before anything because oh they called her, and so she said. I don't know what you were thinking. You were caught before you even left the school. That's what this reminds me of. Like, right. you're already caught because caught. you just escaped. We already know. Right. We know it's you. Yeah. Right. That's totally It so just funny. reminded me of that.
1: Yeah, it's totally the same <laughs> it's thing. It's totally
0: the same thing.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so they know it's him. The car's there. He escaped prison, or the dump truck's there. He escaped prison. He left his fingerprints. Everywhere. Everywhere. He even left... The hammer sitting on one of the bales of hay.
0: Oh, my. So he was he was not like a smart criminal. He was a like, he was like a yeah. panicky. Exactly. Okay. Which he
1: later describes. He just panicked. Okay. Doesn't excuse it, but. Yeah. Makes sense why he was so sloppy about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. It wasn't his intention to go murder someone. It was just something that happened. They and, got in the way. Yeah. They got mm-hmm. in his way, and he made... One bad choice, and then it just evolved. snowballed from there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, a manhunt begins.
1: Um, the store owner, Harry, he put up a $3,000 reward of his own money to capture the Herrick's killer. Talk about a good friend, you yeah. know? Yeah. He also took out ads in many magazines with the reward advertised and a sketch of Neely Buchanan, which it was one of these ads a year later... On October 16th, when Buchanan was arrested in Baltimore, someone had seen the article and alerted police and turned him in. Good. Police arrested him in a candy shop as he was trying to dodge them from the street. So he was like walking on the street and the police had been alerted. So he dodged into a candy shop. And hid. And hid. But he didn't hide. So when the police approached him, they asked for ID. He hands over current pay stubs and a social security card. Guess whose name he's working under?
0: Mr. Herrick? Yep. Howard Herrick. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So they know instantly, no, you're you're not this guy. That's who we're coming after you for. So they arrest him immediately. He's extradited back to Michigan. And on October 19th, which is three days later, he pleads guilty to first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison.
0: Did they trust him anymore
1: after that? I don't think that? so. I don't think so. So all of these proceedings occurred without a lawyer. Uh-oh, shit. hmm So the gist I get is that he basically, like, wasn't read his Miranda rights. Or any rights. Or any rights, yeah. Yeah. So this led to appeals in the 80s. So, I mean, at least he spent 20-some years. 20, 30
0: years, Yeah. So,
1: for the first time, he was represented by an attorney in the 80s. The appeal went all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, Buchanan probably would have been set free because of the technicality, but he died of colon cancer while incarcerated in December of 1984.
0: So, he never did get out. He did did not. It's good. It's right,
1: But that's part of our justice system where it's like, oh, please do it the right way so that these people stay where they're supposed to stay. Yes. Um, So his attorney says later that the Buchanan that committed these crimes was not the same Buchanan that he had gotten to know. He was more of a grandfatherly type who regretted what he had done. Right.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. So anyway,
1: I know that those kind of statements make me want to puke. Mm. The Herrick home was remodeled and lived in by two of the Herrick's sons, but then demolished in 1960 to allow for an expansion of M52. And so Optimus Prime could fit through. That's right. Okay. Because he would have crashed it anyway. Yes. So that's the nutshell of the Herrick murders. The book has so many more details, it's so well written. And so I'm going to stop blabbing and we can introduce our guest to today's episode. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the So Dead Lair, true crime author, Rod Sadler. Rod, thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes, thank you so much. We have so many questions about your new book. But first, I want to talk to you about Martha, um, who is one of my favorite spirits that we've come to know through Demented Mitten Tours. Uh, your career as a writer really started with Martha, didn't it?
2: It did. It actually started uh, many, many years ago when I was researching some genealogy. And uh, my great-great-grandfather, John Jacob Raley, served as the Ingham County Sheriff in 1897. And I was really researching um, uh, newspaper articles about what he had done. And I came across this article about this gruesome murder in Williamson, which is actually where I grew up. And I uh, decided that it would make a, an interesting book. I could document uh, my great great grandfather's tenure as sheriff, in addition to this um, rather gruesome murder.
0: Awesome, yeah, yeah. and it, it is a great book, and it's a, it's a very very gruesome murder. Um. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, well, so
1: during your days as a police officer. Um, you, uh, as any worker would do, we look forward to retirement. Um, but did you think, okay, I'm going to be an author next and it's going to be true crime. Like, was this always a goal or did it just kind of
2: happen? Heavens no. It, It, uh, it really, it started as, as that project. And once it was finished, I actually waited until I retired in 2012 to put that book together. And, uh, once it was done and I published it, uh, I decided, hey, that was really interesting. And maybe this is really where I should be in retirement. And I loved it. I loved doing it. And and so that led to my second book um, called A Slayer Waits.
0: Mm-hmm. So you and I have visited Martha together. You've been on a few of our tours. And we've talked about this, but for the sake of our listeners and to make me sound a bit less crazy, um, do you believe that Martha's spirit is still out there and alive and kicking?
2: You know, that is an interesting question. Um, I have to tell you that that I am a believer in the paranormal, um, and while some people scoff at that... Um, I've had some experiences that I can't explain and I've seen, um, Kat Ryan on your tours and I've seen what, uh, what she can do and what she's experienced. So it certainly is a possibility. Um, I I can't say one way or the other, but I certainly think that it's a possibility that, that something is going on out there.
0: Agreed.
1: Mm -hmm. Very, very much agree. Um, how soon after you finished your first book, did you start your second book?
2: Oh, it was probably within a couple months um, I kind of knew or I had an idea where I wanted to go with with uh, the new case and uh, so I started right away. Um, I subscribed to uh, uh, newspapers.com and mm-hmm. if anybody out there, if any listeners do any type of research, that is an invaluable um, resource.
0: Oh, yeah. We um, use it all
2: the time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's really where I started. And, and it literally started within a couple months of, of my first book being published.
0: Now, out of all of the crazy true crime stories out of mid-Michigan, how did you come to choose the Herrick Murders for the second book?
2: Well, it's kind of a weird story. Um One of the attorneys that I work for in in private practice, um, I I have a consulting business, and uh, we were talking about my first book, and and it led to a discussion about murders, and the attorney that I was working with actually served at one time um, for the Ingham County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, and he was their chief appellate attorney, and so he would handle um, cases that were appealed by people sentenced to prison, and he would write the response, um, basically uh, denying their request. It, it would his response would be put before the circuit court, and uh, they would make a decision whether or not to to grant somebody's appeal. And so we were talking, and and he mentioned this case uh, about an el- elderly couple that had been murdered by a escaped convict, and. Um, as, as he described it more and more, I realized that I had heard about that case. And I can remember as a child uh, in the 60s, um, mm-hmm. we were out for drive somewhere down around Stockbridge on M-52. And as we passed this barn, uh, my parents said, oh, that's the barn that that elderly couple was murdered in. And I actually thought that the, uh, that the guy that murdered them, had never been caught. And it turned out that he had, Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's kind of how that all came about. Um, as soon as he described it, I knew which case he was talking about. And I thought that's a great case to write about.
1: Yeah. It's very, it's so interesting. So interesting. So have you had paranormal experience with the Herrick's?
2: Um, you know, I don't think that I have, Uh, personally and realized it I will tell you that um, when I found Martha Haney's grave uh, not Martha's I'm sorry Mariah Haney's grave uh, from my first book out at Summit Cemetery in Williamston I had my son with me and I said hey Andy I said take a picture of me because I want to put it on Facebook and so he did and uh, another psychic that I know responded to the photo that I had put on Facebook, and she said, if you could only see what I can see. And I thought, well, you, c- you can't leave me hanging like that. So <laughs> I, I asked her, what, what do you see? And, and she said, there's an elderly couple standing behind you um, with, uh, she described it as almost a look of contentment or satisfaction on their face. And so, for the longest time, I thought, well, maybe that's Mariah Haney and her husband. And once I started doing a little research into the Herrick murder for my second book, I came across a photo of them. And I honestly believe that uh, the people that were seeing or was seeing standing behind me at the Summit Cemetery was probably the Herrick's. I truly believe that. That's crazy.
0: So here on the podcast and then also on our Demented Mitten tours, we like to combine stories of true crime with the paranormal whenever possible. And you've kind of done the same now, not in your books necessarily, but in real life, right? You've founded a paranormal investigation team?
2: Uh, Yeah, we do a little bit of work. Um, Not a whole lot. We do a little um, paranormal investigation, mainly in the Charlotte, Olivet area. Um, We certainly are willing to branch out, but uh, it's really a part-time, just trying to put to rest whether or not we're truly skeptics or whether or not we really believe it. uh, We've done a couple of investigations and we've had some, some some wonderful things happen.
0: We'd love to hear about them. For sure, someday. Um, I think it's possible to be both a skeptic and a believer. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm both. I think I'm Um, both. Sometimes I believe, but it takes a lot for me to I don't believe believe. anybody
1: else's stories. Just your own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's talk about your new book. Um, In our first episode, we talked about Donald Eugene Miller, which is the subject of your new book. So can you tell us why you chose this one?
2: You know, uh, as I was kicking around ideas for my third book, um, I was talking to some attorneys that I know, and they were involved in the Don Miller case. And then I was talking to some judges that I know, and they were involved in the Don Miller case. And then I was talking to a private investigator that I work with quite frequently and he was involved in the Don Miller case. And it was just, it became clear to me that for some reason I need to write about the Don Miller case.
1: Right.
0: Everything just kind of kept coming back to that.
2: It did. It did. And so that was the reason. And the other reason is I chose this case because it's a story that has to be told. Mm -hmm. And And I truly believe that without giving away too much about the book, um, I will tell you that this story has to be told because people don't know um, Don Miller's been in prison for 40 years now um, and people don't know who he is and people don't realize that Don Miller is getting out of prison.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we we do. We realize that we've been, we are keeping tabs on him. Um, so just for our listeners that maybe are newer to the podcast and haven't listened to episode one yet without, I mean, we, we know the story, but I don't want to, you know, give away anything that, that is exclusive to the book. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, Donald Eugene Miller?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, and I'll share some things with you at the end here, uh, after I tell you about Don Miller. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, and this is the way that I start all my talks about my next book. Um, and incidentally, I, I'll I'll preface this by saying um, I have a working title for the book, although um, my publisher um, uh, asked for five other alternative <laughs> titles. So it's really, really hard to come don't...
0: up with just one, and they want six of
2: them. I know exactly, and <laughs> so so I technically I don't really have a title for this book, but. With that being said, um, Don Miller uh, is only in prison right now, um, not because uh, not because he's a serial killer. Right. Um, he's only in prison right now uh, for possessing a garotte or a strangulation device in his cell in 1994. Uh, Don Miller killed four women. Um, the first was his fiance, and then about eighteen months later, um, a uh, young lady by the name of Marita Choquette came up missing in the Grand Ledge area. Uh, she actually, it, it turned out um, was taken from the Michigan State University campus where mm-hmm. she worked. Uh, two weeks after that, when her body was found that same day, Another young uh, co-ed from Michigan State University by the name of Wendy Bush um, came up missing. And then uh, about a month and a half later, um, a fourth woman by the name of Christine Stewart came up missing in the East Lansing area. And while police had uh, suspected Don Miller from the start that he had killed his fiancee back uh, January 1st of 1977, her name was um, Martha Sue Young. Well, they had uh, long suspected that he was responsible for her disappearance and and really knew that she was dead, although her body hadn't been found. They couldn't prove it. They had no body. And uh, when Marita Kilkech came up missing, uh, they still weren't, uh, convinced that Don Miller was responsible for that particular homicide, uh, when her body was found. And Mm -hmm. while there was some speculation in the media, the the law enforcement community wasn't convinced. Then when, when, Wendy Bush came up missing, um, on the day that Marita's body was found, um, again, police were not convinced at that point that her disappearance was related to Don Miller or the other two uh, missing women, mainly because Wendy Bush was kind of a free spirit and it would not be unusual for her to, to make new friends and, and go stay with them. And then when Christine Stewart came up missing, uh, that's when police began to suspect that they had a serial killer on their hands. And then two days after, Two days after Christine Stewart came up missing, um, a 14 year old girl was raped in Eaton County's Delta Township. And as the sexual assault was taking place, her 13 year old brother came into the house. And while Don Miller was trying to strangle the 14 year old girl, the belt that he was using Um, to strangle her snapped into two pieces just as her brother came into the house. And so Don Miller turned on her brother and took him upstairs and choked him to the point or strangled him to the point where he passed out. Um, after trying to, um, cut his throat. And then he, uh, proceeded to stab him twice in the chest to make sure that he was dead. Unbeknownst to Don Miller. Uh, the 14 year old girl that he was in the process of raping was able to escape the house with her hands bound behind her back and nude and run into traffic and flag down help. Um, about that same time, uh, the gentleman that she had flagged down pulled into the driveway of the house to go in and check um, on the status of her brother. And Don Miller came out and he confronted him and they talked briefly and Don Miller was able to escape. Um, at the same time, uh, the 13 year old boy was able to, uh, came, became conscious and came downstairs and, uh, the Delta township fire chief, um, was also passing by and he stopped and they were able to save both kids.
0: And Don he- Miller,
2: um, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just
0: going to say, and you um, know one of those kids, not a kid anymore, um, but you know one of those people, don't you?
2: I do. I do. Um, I've become friends with him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the brother. The brother. Mm-hmm. And through, through several of the attorneys that I know that, that also know him, we were able to establish a friendship. And uh, he's doing very well. He's in his forties, and and uh, um, uh, he's a great guy. He really is. Good,
0: that's incredible. So this book, um, it's a little bit different from the other two. Um, To Hell I Must Go and A Slayer Waits were both self published, but for this one, you've got an agent and a book deal and all that fancy stuff. Um, Can you tell us why you chose to go a different route for this one?
2: Well, I think anybody that writes a book. Um traditionally, they want a, a book deal with a publisher. They want national attention. Um, right. And quite frankly, I considered it a challenge. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I had done some research about book deals. And it, it's a very complicated process, believe it or not.
0: It is. I believe it.
2: Yeah. And, and so I thought, you know what? I can do this. And so I did my research, I did my homework. Um, I put together a book proposal, which was about a 70 page document um, outlining several different things. And all the research that I did um, said, don't, uh, don't stray from the traditional format of a uh, book proposal. And so that's what I did. And um, I submitted it to... Uh, I submitted it to um, several literary agents and one of them actually, I'm sorry, two of them actually offered me representation.
0: Well, we're really, really happy
1: for you. Yeah. Do you have a release date yet and where it will be available?
2: Uh, I don't. Uh, publication, I believe, is, is supposed to be within six months. And I, and I submitted my proposal about a month ago. So I'm assuming within the next, I'm going to say probably this fall is when it'll be published to be on the safe
0: side. So we're really excited. Mm -hmm. We're really looking forward to it. And so I I imagine you're going to do the press book signings, all that kind of
2: stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I am. And I really look forward to it. Yeah,
0: we'll have to keep everybody updated on that. Um, So, dare I ask, what is next in the world of true crime? Do you know yet?
2: Uh, I do. Um, I've submitted some FOIA requests to a couple police agencies. And quite frankly, uh, I'm not going to tell you. um, (laughs) He always does that. (laughs) uh, I'm going to leave you hanging. I will tell, I will give you a hint. Okay. Okay. Um, Two words. Cold case. Oh, well.
1: All right. That's a good one. (laughs) We like a good cold case.
2: Yeah. So
0: Rod, I met Rod. He had published um to hell i must go he came on one of our tours and he was working on his second book so it was the same um not gonna tell you until it was ready to come (laughs) out and then um this time as well so it's been really fun to kind of watch as you've um been working from book to book it'll be fun to watch you with this this last one
2: well this one
0: uh, not last one this next one
2: yeah the the next one it could it really it could change it depends on what um, what becomes available through my my uh, Freedom of Information Act requests to a couple police agencies, um, if if I get the files that I'm looking for, which I suspect I will, um, then that's probably the case that I'll go with. But it 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 could change. You know, it's funny when you do uh, when you do true crime books and you say, well, I'm going to write another one. Um, people bombard you with, hey, you should write about this murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should write about that murder. And and it, you, there's so many cases out there. Um, it's it's an endless supply. It's Unfortunately, endless supply. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we get a lot of those. And, and we do actually follow up on a lot of them for the podcast, but it just, you know. But ours is so 20 minutes versus. <laughs> versus a book. Yeah, that's a big difference.
2: Oh, sure, sure. Um, I did want to um, offer you just a little uh, tidbit about the, the book about Don Miller. Um, I was able to um, interview his dad for wow. the book. And with that being said, I was able to send Don Miller a letter. <sighs> and on Easter Sunday, because I forgot to check the mail on Saturday. <laughs> so Easter Sunday, I, I went out and got the mail. And lo and behold, there was a letter from Don Miller. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh.
1: Did you have anything good to say?
2: Oh, uh, well, I've actually received two letters from him. Wow. First. The first letter was, uh, uh, the first line on it was Easter greetings.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Because he yeah. was very religious. Yeah. Or, and he is, I'm, isn't he? I'm sorry? Isn't he very religious?
2: Well, that is the facade. Okay. <laughs> well, right. I mean, he is a serial killer. So. Yeah, I
1: like how you put that. Right.
2: Yeah. But the, the fact that I forgot to get the mail on Saturday and the first line is, and I get it on Easter Sunday. <gasps> oh, yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. So, so um, the second letter, which he promised me in the first letter, he said, I'm, I'm working on a second letter which will um, describe what I was going through in 1977 and 1978. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, he's, gonna, he's going to, um, you know, tell me why he killed these women. And lo and behold, the second letter comes, and he quite bluntly says, I took Martha Sue's life, and I took the lives of three other women.
1: Oh, spills the so, beans. So yeah, is he I your pen pale that. now?
2: No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could tell you that, that um, my wife was less than enthused about <laughs> getting a letter from a serial killer. Sure. And, I bet. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this out to, um, to anyone that ever um, wants to write to a serial killer. Uh, this is a little tip. Uh, how to start a letter to a serial killer with someone elses return address
0: like your ex-husband's yeah, yeah. no <laughs> okay whatever <laughs> or a p.o. box maybe a p.o. Yeah. box yes i've told this story uh, i think on the demented mitten facebook page i don't know if i've ever told it on the so dead facebook page but um both of my sons have taken the same psychology class at Grand grandledge high school and um one of the things one of their courses of study they they study charles manson um, and oh, one of the students actually wrote him a letter and he wrote back and they get to read and analyze this letter from Charles Manson. And one of the things that he wrote on the letter kind of along the margins was don't ever write a prisoner using your home address. So I oh. don't know if she did that or not, but yeah. So even Charles Manson says, do not write oh. prisoners using your home address.
2: <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very
0: bizarre. I know it. Well, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to talk to us today. We cannot wait to read the new book when it comes out. And, of course, we'll share all of the events and all of the news regarding it because we're really, really looking forward to it.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. And I will tell you, if you'd like to follow along, if your listeners would like to follow along on the progress of, of my past and, and my upcoming book and my future books, they can find me at Rod Sadler, author on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can find me on Instagram and, uh, my books are available on Amazon and they can also go directly to my website, rodsadler.com and, uh, pick them up there. So, awesome. oh, uh, uh, as a side note on my next book, um, about Don Miller, the publishing company will be doing an audio book also, oh, wow. very exciting. That's really are you going
0: I, to be uh, doing the audio? Do you get to do the
2: audio for it? No, actually, I, w- I was hoping for Tom Hanks <laughs> or or maybe Morgan Freeman, but I suspect I'll probably end up with Pee Wee Herman. Oh, so, no, yeah. oh, no. I've heard Tom
1: Hanks is a really nice guy and very giving. So maybe if you write him a letter.
2: <laughs> well, I, th- I think they set that up themselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some generic voice actor. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you, and and uh, I look forward to maybe another demented mitten tour. Absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely. All right, all right. You have a good rest of your day. So,
1: normally this would be file dump time, but today we want to do something a little different.
0: We want to say, "I'm sorry." Yeah, we're sorry, guys. We know we've been a bit disengaged on social media these past couple of weeks. Please, please do not take that as us not caring about all of the lovely messages that you send us or as us losing interest in the podcast. No,
1: like, that's not the case at all. Quite honestly, like, May has just been a shit show for both of us. For both of us. It's terrible. I moved, which was, well, I'm like a seasoned mover. We've moved like five times, and this was... (sighs) The worst move of my life.
0: As we look at boxes,
1: we're sitting in a, the new house and it's a hoarder's paradise right now. It's not a
0: hoarder's paradise. Oh. It's just unpacked.
1: It's horrible. It's
0: packed. It's, it's chaos. Packed. It needs to be unpacked. It's chaos. That's
1: all. We got strep throat. I got strep throat while we were packing to move. Mm. Then my husband got strep throat like during the move. Oh. Our movers didn't get everything. They shut off access to our storage unit. Our dog got really sick and almost died. Um. What else happened? Oh, oh the garbage people never picked up all the garbage. They just left the fucking bags on the side of the road. Why? But took the can. Why would they? That's oh. what I said when I call when we called. Why? <laughs> Why? Did Why you, did your common sense not kick in and take all their this fucking trash? Yeah,
0: maybe maybe. Somebody stole
1: their garbage truck. Could be. So yeah. So that was. My chaos. So I've been disengaged just in life in general. And it we had to reschedule
0: the recording of the podcast, which we've never done before. No, we
1: re- we rescheduled it twice.
0: Yes. Ugh. Yes. Um, and then you, of course, had so,
1: super sad So, yes, news. May was
0: really busy just in general. You know, mm-hmm. we, in the middle of this, you and I went to the ParaFest together, which was a trip to Toledo. <laughs> it was <laughs> a super good Super fun. Mm-hmm. We did have a lot of fun. Um, but I had a tour and I had another Um, really exciting event that I'll use to bring things back up after I take them way down. Okay. Um, I think I talked about this in the episode where we talked about our pets, Mm -hmm. um, how one of our dogs was very old. um, Sammy was 14. And then one of our other dogs, Sophie was just very, very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, It got to the point with Sammy where Mm -hmm. it was time to let him go. And so knowing that Sophie was very, very sick, um, we took her to the vet as well. Um, just to kind of have her evaluated because I somehow with all the pets that I've had in my whole life, I had never been through, um, having one put to sleep before. And so if we had to do it for Sammy, which it was time to do it for Sammy, I didn't want to do that and then have to go through it again a few months later, and so we had Sophie evaluated. Um, We found out that her heart was barely functioning. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, full of cysts and tumors and miserable. Um, And so we made the decision to let them go. Sorry. Um, Oh. Together. I'm sorry. I can't cry because then that's gonna ruin like my. (laughs) Then doesn't care about anything. Sorry. (laughs) That wasn't me crying. I you're just got allowed something to, in my face. You're field. allowed to be verklempt.
1: <laughs> our animals are, there are loves and it's okay to be sad yeah. and you can care. Even if you proclaim you don't care, we all know that that's a bunch of bullshit.
0: Right. And so, <laughs> and you better I, <laughs> care about your pets. Yeah. And so, I, um, we took a week. We planned it for a week out to give time to, prepare and make the arrangements and, you know, spend time and make memories. I think that might have made it harder. Right. Um, So we spent about a week getting ready and then we um, went through with it. Gosh, it was a week ago this past Friday. And so um, it's just been a really hard. It's hard to be funny when you're sad.
1: (laughs) I know. It is. It is. And your focus (laughs) is on family. Yeah. As it should be.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we just we had a rough month. We
1: did, but um, <laughs> on the bright side of those dogs, they got to have McDonald's.
0: They did get to. Did have they McDonald's. have chicken
1: nuggets or did they have cheeseburgers? They had
0: cheeseburgers, um, but Sophie Yum. would not eat hers with oh. the bun on it. Uh, well, fuck so I had who to take the, the bun. bun. <laughs> <laughs> with the bun, it's smart dog. Um, yeah, and so in all of that sadness, though, um, one of the other busy things I had in the month of May was uh, my husband and I. I, so I'm a really big nerd. I don't know if he would be a nerd like this on his own if it weren't for me, um, but we went to Motor City Comic Con in Detroit together. This was huge for you. This was huge for me. Well, um, I
1: heard about this for months leading up to this. Listen, Rightfully so. I was not annoyed at all. Listen. But I was very excited and for I you. And I didn't
0: even, try, I even, and that's me trying not to talk about it that much because I didn't want to <laughs> jinx it because I've been to it before. And mm. with these types of events, it's very common for celebrities to cancel. Oh, um, But I was going you- to meet my love, um, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. Which is so
1: funny because I never knew who Jack'
0: Teller. I have been in love with him. years he is my absolute favorite he's my free pass he's my celebrity crush million percent free pass and he was coming to (laughs) Motor City Comic Con for some ridiculous reason um I really was sure he was going to cancel even that morning until I was standing in line waiting to meet him and they said okay guys he's on his way in I was like holy shit he's really here
1: Oh my god! Um, so
0: I'm really only telling you guys this story so that I can post the picture of me and Charlie Hunnam together on our page. <laughs> but you've posted other, like you saw Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, she was super sweet. Um, Sydney mm-hmm. Prescott from Scream. I met Hodor.
1: I know. Surprise
0: Sydney. You're you're combining Hello Clarice and Surprise Sydney. Am I? You are. It's Surprise Sydney. Surprise Sydney with the voice changer because i don't really watch scary movies no but yeah she was super sweet and those are my favorite scary Yay. movies. so she was great to meet um also met theo rossi who played juice and sons of anarchy and he was amazing you would love it maybe you might not i don't know i loved it um he gave me a big huge <laughs> hug he was great um hodor 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 from Game of Thrones. He is so goddamn tall, gigantic. I and saw the, that picture and I'm like, the picture of like, us together. His hand is they on did my shoulder. not like
1: Photoshop him no. in Game of Thrones. Like he is fucking huge.
0: Yes. And while I was waiting in line for him, he was taking a picture with a little boy, and I was like, oh my god, put that little boy on your back like Bran Stark. You have to. And he didn't do it, and I was like. Who else? I feel like I'm forgetting. some. Oh, God, Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. I got my picture. He held his pee for me. So he was was getting ready to take a break. And I had been waiting in this line to meet him for like an hour, which with oddly, the line was made up of probably 75% heterosexual men. That were there to meet him. It was real That's weird.
1: Interesting. Yeah. It was like a throwback to everybody's. They
0: had like Bayside jerseys that they wanted him to sign. It was adorable. Stop. Yeah. I loved it. Um, So I had waited for like an hour in line to meet him. And I, it was getting time to like, I was going to have to leave to go to my photo op with Charlie Hunnam. Because let's be real, all these other really exciting right, great people. But he was end game. I'd already met him once, but this was our picture and I wasn't missing it. Um, And so the girl at the – there was like three people ahead of me and the girl goes, okay, he's getting ready to take a break. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to be at my photo up in 20 minutes. I've been waiting an hour. So she went over and she said something to him. And he looked over and smiled and like waved his hand like, yeah, that's fine. And so they cut the line off after me. So he literally held his pee for me like – I don't know if you can do better in life than to have Zach Morris hold his pee for you so you don't miss your photo op with Jack's Teller. That's like so there's nice. nothing I there nothing You'll better be will ever happen in my life. <laughs> Zach attack. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, oh, that was my little bit of good now that I That's a have lot of good. ruined my makeup. Um yeah, so it's a new month, we're pulling it together, we're working on some really exciting things for you guys. Yeah, um, we've
1: reached our first Patreon goal, so we are now in the planning phase for our first live event. Yay. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So we're shooting for sometime this summer, but um, we'll let you know as soon as details are available. The event will be open to everyone, but the patrons will have first dibs on tickets. Yes. I'm so excited for this. I am so excited for I it. I am too. I just hope people come and we're not talking to walls.
0: Our moms will come. Our moms will come. Probably our dads. Yes. Okay. So we're also working on bonus content for our Patreon subscribers, which we're really, really geeked about that. And we've got some super top
1: secret projects that we can't talk about yet, but just know you're going to love them, and so are
0: we, and we can't wait. So, I guess the moral of this story is, even when we're not super active and visible, we're always working on something behind the scenes. We love you guys, and we're so grateful for you all. And now, it's our time of the month.
1: No, it's not our
0: time of the month. It's not your time of the month? It's not my time of the month. It's our time of the month. (laughs) Time for us to thank all of the fans who have left us reviews on Facebook or Apple Podcasts in the past month.
1: Yay! So, from Facebook, we would like to thank Jennifer Pohl. Adrian Ponce, Jamie Ferris, Kristen Scott Wilhoit, Amy Mockridge, and Sarah Connor
0: Solomon. Thanks, guys. And from Apple Podcasts, we need to thank Lena Kata88, Yeager Me Crazy, Yager Me Crazy, Yeager know. Me Crazy, one or the other. I like that. Milagros, Nice One Bella. Miss Missy eighty six eighty six and Katie F and J. I love that. So much. I love that too. <laughs> um, we appreciate everyone who takes the time to leave
1: us reviews so much. Um, so if you want us to talk about you during our time of the month. <laughs> That is not right. Yes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Facebook or both.
0: As always, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at so Dead Podcast. You can also find us online at com
1: and email us your feedback and story ideas to SoDebPodcast at com. So now get out there and shine. You
0: magnificent what the fucks.